Welcome to another episode of OTXNT, which stands for Old Testament, Christ, New Testament. Two men, two degrees, Old Testament and New Testament. Listen to Dr. Andrew Marquez and Dr. Benjamin Pate begin a discussion on topics that you and I should probably be thinking about from a Baptist perspective. Hang in there. It's going to be all right. This stuff is good. Hit that like button. Check us out on YouTube. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? I am ready to roll. Glad to have another OTX NT. It's a wonderful Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. Yes. Yes. Not actually Thursday. Indeed. Nobody <laughs> knows. It's okay. This will be on Thursday. That's so right. To make things ahead of time. So, um, so hey, let me let me uh, let me tee this up. All right. Um, so one of the things that we, out of our goals that we put in for our church um, this summer was in my small group, we tried to have goals for, for families, parents, and married couples. Um, and, and so if you're a married family, you know, mother and dad, you know, you're going to have all of that there. Um, and so, but one of the goals was that we would be reading uh, the Bible, doing devotions together, not necessarily all the time. In fact, I have my own plan that I read and Diana has her own. Um, but one of the things we've been taking on the summer together is reading through First um, Corinthians. So this, this past Friday, um, we sat down to read First Corinthians uh, and we have hit First Corinthians 11. So uh, if you're at Royal Palms, you know, we talk about first Corinthians 11 a lot because the last half of that deals with the Lord's supper. And once a month we take the Lord's supper, uh, together. Um, and I believe that needs to be done together, not digitally, uh, that you should be together as a body looking at each other, you know, as we take it. And that's another conversation, uh, some other time. Uh, but the first part of the conversation uh, in First Corinthians has, of course, to do with head coverings, and not one that we really talk about. I mean, if you look at my congregation, you will not find head coverings. Um, is that the right? Or do do I don't think we have really ever actually looked at this passage. I haven't preached through Corinthians, so I, I don't think that's been something. But I don't know if many people actually think we, we talk about it briefly and then people just kind of say, no, no, see, we don't do it. Um, so that's kind of, man, I'd love for us to look at that, to have that conversation. Um, you being a New Testament guy, I think, can help sift through. But I think there's a ton in here beside just head coverings. And I don't even think we're going to get to head coverings so much today, but there's a lot packed into it. But, I, man, I'd love to just kind of walk through the passage and kind of get some thoughts and some uh, commentary on it as we go through. Yeah, I think it's helpful. And, you know, we've over the years touched on this a little bit. I mean, for me growing up, I didn't really think of it as an issue. And then I used to use this kind of as a fun launching pad for teaching Bible interpretation. You know, this and tattoos seems pretty innocuous today. Um, everybody's got tattoos and, and nobody covers their head in church, except for maybe your teenage boys. Uh, so yeah. you're, you're like, well, you know, so obviously this isn't a big deal. So this is a good interpretive issue that we can talk through. And as yeah. I got into it, I'm like, well, this is a little bit more 
um, problematic than I thought. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is a, a fun discussion. I think it's a serious discussion because it does get to a point of, are we doing things the right way? And, um, and it's one of those things, if you're trying to follow the Lord, according to his word, you know, sometimes you're surprised that what we may practice doesn't always match with what you think the Bible teaches. Yeah. So, um, should we jump in the prayer and then just kind of work through this? Start us up, man. All right. Okay. Uh, the Lord's prayer, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Well, um, so, I mean, here's the, the most, I mean, just to tee this up a little bit more, man. I mean, where do people get why men should not wear hats in church? Um, you know, I feel like we kind of pick and choose a lot of stuff, right? Like, why is it that there, you'll find most people be like, definitely no baseball caps, in church, but you know, I've, I've been in churches where guys will come in, like make you take it off right when you come in. Um, but we don't really deal with the, the, the women's side. Uh, so where does this stuff come from? I think both of those are issues in this passage that uh, we should be talking about. Um, but I think there's deeper stuff too, besides just covering that we should probably deal with too. So um, which translation are you going to be using as we talk uh, in the text? Well, I've got the CSB pulled up, which it's a good why Southern not? Baptist translation. Yes, the Christian Standard Bible. Um, yes. So why not work out of that one? We could always jump to another one if necessary. Okay, um, let's do it. So I just looking at this today before we got on, I was I was kind of intrigued by the fact that this comes off of that important famous passage of whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks of the church, just as I also try to benefit but the benefit of many so that they may be saved. So he's got an evangelistic mindset. And then he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, getting into chapter 11. And then he pivots into this discussion of practices, really, I think, in the church worship. Uh, so uh, this might be a significant break in the book of uh, Corinthians, but it also, I think, ties something important. How we worship is connected to evangelistic uh, desire uh, and effectiveness. And I think that's something that we tend to think, well, the church is designed for believers, but even Paul will get into, you know, tongues and some of the things that what if an unbeliever came in and yeah. saw you doing things in a certain way. And so that there may be some uh, cultural pieces to this, that, that Paul's saying, this is the way that things are done. And therefore we don't want to upset the apple cart so much to say. And I think a lot of people have looked at this passage with that type of mentality, that this is something dated and old, um, but, you know, I guess maybe we should read through some of it before we go further. I, I think it's an important break uh, and it's crucial because you might say this is culturally bound because of what Paul's doing here. But you might also say it's not culturally bound and therefore getting this wrong may negatively impact our evangelism yeah. uh, in some sense. And so, you know, but, but the reality is, I think he, there is somewhat of a break between 11.1 and 11.2. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, yeah, so you have to deal with, like, I guess the question is, right, is, he dealing with something that like, you know, in, in, um, you know, the last parts of 11, as he's talking about, you know, um, you know, give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or the church of God. And I try to please everyone in, um, 
you know, in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many so that they may be saved. So, you know, is that connected to this conversation um, that we need to be looking at? So I don't know if Andrew is gone uh, or not. I think, are you there? You're back in. I'm still here. Pop out. I thought you popped out for some reason, but it's okay. There you are. Your screen is back. My, my side looked okay, but now I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> no, don't worry. It's all good. Keep going. So that we tee it up then. So we're here we are. Uh, imitate me as I also uh, imitate Christ. And some, you know, CSB puts that back into as probably connected to the previous section. And then we yeah. start with two. Yeah. And so, and again, because we're getting into women's head coverings, which maybe that's not something that the women can imitate Paul's uh <laughs> Uh, practice because he's not a woman. And so it, it makes sense that there's a break, but also it's important to know that Paul before in chapter 10 is discussing the Lord's Supper and the cup that we drink, and then he's going to pivot back into the Lord's Supper. And so it, it does seem like this is somewhat embedded into worship practices. And uh, as far as it goes, let's just uh, maybe read the first uh, five verses here, uh, beginning at verse two of chapter 11. I praise you because you remember me and everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So holding to the traditions is praiseworthy. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of every woman and God is the head of Christ. Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. Every mm -hmm. woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since that one and the same as having since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman doesn't cover her head, she should not have her hair cut off. No, 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 sorry, I can't read today. For if a woman doesn't cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her head be covered. So that's some okay. weird stuff, right? I mean, that's, that's just beyond what we normally worry about on a Sunday morning, right? Yeah. Um, um, so, I mean, let's look at that first part though, right? So um, I guess, you know, let's talk about verse two because you hold fast to the traditions. Are these, you know, when, when we talk about the traditions that Paul is speaking at, what are those? What's that included, I guess, in the traditions that he's speaking of? Um, yeah. And again, you know, we being sola scriptura, we might say, oh, well, certain traditions are not binding uh, because the Bible's binding. I think it's important to recognize that this tradition is shared with us through scripture. And so this yeah. is not just a, an unknown tradition, such as maybe some of the liturgical practices that claim to go all the way back. Um, even the concept of apostolic succession, um, you know, none of that is defined or described fully in scripture. You yeah. have to kind of assume there was a tradition that, that informs you. Um, so, I mean, I just did a search real quick as we talk about that way that that word is used, too. And you'll see things like obviously in the gospel, you've the gospels, you've got issues of of the traditions of people. Um, but then and, and Paul will use it in Galatians 1, 14. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Um, but you'll also see like here he says, um, let's see, in second. Thessalonians 3 6, we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the tradition received from us. And so, in that case, 
traditions there is being used in terms of like what you had said, those things that have been passed down and not just, you know, uh, not just simply, Hey, these are the traditions of, you know, of these people, the culture or how you, you might say. Yeah. And so this is something that's important enough that Paul wants to address it. And, and he's going to give us insight into why this is a tradition. And it's not just something like, we've always done it this way. We don't know why we do it, but he actually gives some meat, some theological reasoning. And I think this is important. So if we work through this, Christ is the head of every man and man is the head of the woman. And, you know, this could be wife here. Um, I think Tertullian actually discusses that this passage is not just for wives, but actually for all women, because I think even virgins to this day in Corinth cover their heads, according to a quote, I believe it comes from Tertullian, but I'm rusty on this subject. But, um, and, and, you know, going into other passages of Corinthians, it would seem that the father is the head of his daughter, the husband is the head of his wife, in some sense like that. But mm -hmm. if you restricted it to husband and wife, uh, in that sense, the head of the woman is the husband. This is unpopular stuff, but this is just Bible, right? Yeah. And Christ, not, not necessarily God, uh, the, the triune God, but Christ, the, the second person of the Trinity, is the head of uh, the man. And so every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head, dishonors Christ, because his head is Christ. So if I go into church wearing a hat and pray or preach wearing a hat, according to this passage in this context, I would be uh, dishonoring Jesus. And in so doing, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, which would be her husband, since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. And now we're getting into a cultural piece here that is not really explained, but people have worked through this. Are, are you familiar with the shaved head illustration here, what this relates to? Uh, no, fill me in, man. So the way I've heard it taught is that a shorn woman, I think is the KJV, let her head be shorn, is uh, what a prostitute would do. And so that her head would be shaved essentially so she could wear different wigs and be attracted to different men that that is speculative, but that is the, the thing I've uh, read on this and again I'm a little rusty I apologize to our listeners, but the idea here is that it's so dishonoring it would be as dishonoring as you being a prostitute and how dishonoring to your husband would that be if you were uh, running around and, and sleeping with other men and so it's that level of dishonor, uh, dishonor which again worship violations and adultery are very closely tied throughout the scripture right yeah uh, so this is what he's just laying out there uh it is such a disgrace to have her hair cut off you know sorry so if a woman doesn't cover her head she's just go ahead and cut it off just just cut it off because uh, that is the degree of dishonor but if you think it's a disgrace corinthians uh then just cover your head and so he really again is assuming some knowledge on the part of the reader that we have to kind of backfill in a little bit, but I don't think that that knowledge is necessary to understand the argument. What he's saying is, men, if you cover your head while you're preaching or praying in church, I believe this is in church. You could argue it's not, but I believe this is in a worship. Yeah, context. that's the big question I have is like, yeah. should men be allowed to pray outside of church with a hat on, right? I mean, that's something I've struggled with as I've tried to read this past over time is what's the context? Yeah, and I, I would just say, take your hat off and better safe than sorry. You know, it, it's not that hard, but 
uh, I can understand if you're a woman, you didn't have a hat, you, you know, can you pray or not? But I, again, since we're going to be bound between the Lord's Supper passages, it seems like this is within a worship context. And I think we'll see more of that maybe further down. Yeah. But um, nevertheless, uh, if you're going to cover your head as a man, you're dishonoring Jesus Christ, who you stand before for your family and for your wife or your daughter. Wife, if you don't cover your head, you dishonor your husband or your father or um, the male that is in charge of you. And again, you could say, well, that's culturally different than today as well, but we, we can get there. Um, and if you decide to dishonor your husband, it is such a, a, a disgrace that even you would recognize it's a disgrace. So you should cover your head. Taking out all of what the shorn woman might mean and all of that, it's disgraceful in Paul's understanding for a woman to shave her yeah. head. They recognize that. Therefore, it's a similar type of disgrace for a woman to um, not cover her head in church or when praying or prophesying. So, so what do you think? <laughs> Man, that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing to, to sift through, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, so what's the, so, okay. So verse four in mind is, is, is that kind of um, verse four and verse five, everyone who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered. Uh, when we're talking about praying and prophesying, are we indicating that this is, uh, you know, it seems to be in the worship service in these moments? Like, is there a, is that what it, as of right now, early on, are we saying, yeah, okay, you, you keep it, you can wear it. When you get up to pray, you take it off um, for a man. If you are called upon to pray, if you're the woman, then you put it on as you pray. Is that kind of, I mean, right now, it seems like that's been, kind of the context right if you're praying or prophesying so in that worship setting yeah and I, and I would i would assume that this is a worship context because there there's an assumption of prophesying which typically was done in a worship service by the way women are assumed being uh, able uh, to prophesy at, at yeah. some place here and I, I think that this actually may give us some guidance on women's roles in the worship service now you have chapter 14 to address as well. It's a shame for a woman to, to speak um, in, in certain contexts, but perhaps it's not a shame if it's being done according to guidance, you know? And yeah. so uh, that is something that, that's a whole different question. But I think the, one of the key things we could take away here is that at least at the time that Paul's writing this, I think about 52 AD, we have gender roles established between how men will act in worship and how women will act yeah, in worship absolutely. and what they wear. And that that, that is publicly uh, representative, which is significant because, because Christians can never go the direction the culture is going in terms of saying there is no gender distinction. Yeah. And, and I think that America has gone down this road. And so we've had to somehow bend these texts. Well, we can kind of keep working through if you want, or, or you, you want to jump in. On no, something. no, no. I think, I think that's a great way to let's stop for just a second and flesh that out for just a second too, is if, if one of the things that we need to just grasp is whether or not you fully understand, is this a cultural thing or not? Um, I think the bigger, big principle that's being beyond uh, in this is that within our roles, especially how we are in the church, that there is a difference. My my being a man is, it does matter. Um, 
it is does not matter in terms of status, but it matters in terms of my the role that I play and the way that I play that role in the church um, versus being a woman. So there is there are real uh, gender differences that that play out and what your gender is matters in terms of roles uh, and and uh, practice within the church. So uh, and so that means that there is a difference. There is there's a difference that God sees. There is a distinction, uh, and there's a difference in how that's to be played out in terms of roles in the congregation. Right, and and this is unpopular today. Uh, again, we live in a world where women can do everything that men can do, include dying in combat. Uh, th there, there's been an effort to diminish the distinctions, and I think there are certain places where that is good, where maybe women were not appreciated. Uh, you know, I don't have specifics on my mind, but there's been a great movement of trying to bring equality in certain places. And I think some of that is very good, but there, there has to be some breaks on this because at the end of the day, the, the Bible does reflect a certain level of patriarchy. You know, maybe we're banned now for that evil word I just said, but again, Adam and Eve, Adam was created first, then Eve, when Eve sinned, humankind didn't fall. Yeah. When Adam sinned, humankind fell and Adam was the representative of his wife to God. So you're making and, a yeah. you're making a jump, though, because I mean, hold on one second, because okay. um, as we go in this, right, you could if we didn't have seven and on, you could say, well, that's a cultural reference. And sure, there's some distinctions and that's important. But like just the practice itself may oh that's just totally culture and then what you're saying actually is exactly where we're going right what he does when he gets to seven he says a man should not cover his head because he is in the image uh, he is the image and glory of god so too woman is the glory of man man did not come from woman but woman came from man neither was man created for the sake of woman but woman for the sake of man and so he goes immediately back to the garden right so we're going into, he, he's not using this to say, hey, this is just how it is, but he's using garden imagery for why these distinctions take place. And, and I know you were going there to discuss the fall, um, yeah. but I do think that's what, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing and it's hard to get around in my mind. These are just merely cultural symbols because of what he just did in those verses right there. Your thoughts. Yeah, and I, I forgot that that's what was following. I, I just had read through it, so it must have been on my mind. But again, we, we see Paul do this also in Timothy. We see Paul do this in different places. It's not the only place he does this, which is also troubling to just cast it aside as cultural. And one of the things that, that we, we find is, uh, you know, it's, it's even, it even goes to Jesus, right? Jesus came as a man, not as a woman. And uh, now he's born of the Virgin Mary, and that's going to pick up later on that, that we're not independent of each other, but that God has established in, in some sense a way that he has chosen to operate through the sexes, through the gender distinctions. And these are not just emotional categories, but actual biological categories. There is no concept in scripture of a uh, gender that is not coinciding with the biological sex. So that's where we are. And it, it has a flow. Now, again, there's also things, again, Genesis 3.15 is spoken of the woman and of the serpent. There, there are things that, that are unique to the women, uh, to women as well. But yeah, I, I think that this is so significant 
And when we get around it, we have to be real careful that we're not also sabotaging the theology as well as a practice that we find maybe uh, confusing today at the, at the least. Um, I don't yeah. think it's really that confusing, to be honest. It's just, we gave it up and it's hard to bring it back once you give it up. Um, so most people would look at this though and say, well, this is why we just need to get rid of Paul, right? I mean, that's at the end of the day, the arguments I hear when you get into this is, well, this is, uh, this is why we just need to go back to the words of Jesus and not to Paul. Uh, because Paul's very clear on some things that the culture today is upset with. Um, the other day I was uh, scrolling and I, I had an ad from, uh, I think, Christianity, christianbooks.com, and it was Recovering from Biblical Womanhood is a new title that they were advertising to me. And I'm like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't I, to me, how sad of a title. I don't know what the book's about. Maybe it's a great book, but the title itself is like, we have to recover from a biblical worldview. Huh. And and that's not what I want to recover from. I, I want to embrace that. But the, the move is being made in denominational life um, across, across the spectrum, away from a biblical view. And, and we need to just kind of forget these passages and, and get around them. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I think this is one that it's going to take a little time to kind of work to work through it all, because I do think I want to discuss eventually, okay, what does this mean for us? For hats, I think we I really would like to at least um, start this discussion with you uh, in the next video that we do on, okay, what are all the arguments that typically come for why? Because, I mean, here's the big question, Andrew, could all of our churches be wrong? Um, you know, at least the ones that the context that we live in, like, uh, could we all be wrong, like that we've just been teaching people wrong? Or is it you know, or is it that we're just ignorant of it uh, because it's just been cast aside and not dealt with? Um, so, I don't, you know, or, um, you know, are we too rigid? And is it just merely a personal conviction uh, of how we think the passage should be read or whatnot? So I, I do, we need to kind of look at all the arguments. I want to yeah. discuss them next time and just do one exclusively on the idea of head coverings because we have to deal with, I mean, there's some other things he says there, right. That we're going to have to deal with. Like, what is that? Right. What does he say? Um, like 13, he says, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray with God with her hair uncovered? Does not in the 14 does not nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a disgrace to him. So, I mean, immediately you got to start thinking, okay, well, there's some long hair dudes, um, that, um, well, maybe they disgrace themselves. Um, Absalom, he was seen as handsome until he went nuts. And um, I think he was always kind of conniving and, and uh, you know, planning and scheming. Uh, you would see Samson. Okay. He, yeah, I guess he's kind of a disgrace. They're really the only person I know that you would say uh, had long hair, who was a dude who did pretty well was Samuel. Samuel was known to have long hair. And part of that was um, I, I think his Nazarite vow and then there you go. You have the Bible giving, you know, in number six, providing examples for the Nazarite vow, which, yeah, you let your hair go long. So that's kind of an interesting yeah, yeah. thing to have to deal with. Um, and we've had, we have plenty of long haired friends that we love that, you know, I do, I want to figure out, you know, uh, are, are you and I in better spot because our hair is short or, you know, is that matter still the hair? Unlikely, well, right? Yeah. So I, I think we got a good road to run on for a little bit. And 
um, again, we're, we're kind of just talking through this. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things as you read through it, I would say, okay, is there any evidence in the passage that this was time bound or culture bound? Like the, yeah. was this only for Corinth or was this only for the first century? And if you find evidence in the passage that no, this is an enduring practice based on theology, maybe the garden of Eden, which we already saw, and that this is beyond just Corinth, but it is uh, uh, beyond then, then you really have some questions to say, all right, the, the clearest markers that I see say that this is an enduring practice or not. Uh, but the principles would still be in place that a woman needs to honor her husband and a husband needs to represent uh, his family before God in a way that God uh, wants. Uh, one of the things I think is important is the passage, again, chapter 10, verse 23, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. And so are we all wrong? Um, maybe, you know, but God is not necessarily condemning people, you know, to hell for this practice, but maybe we are missing markers that would have been beneficial. And looking at where our society is going today, I'm, I'm like looking for any way to put some, something in the sand and say, we're not drifting any further, you know, and perhaps this practice was a good practice, which prior to 1960, it was pretty uniform in a lot of the churches, which is also something to just raise your interest that maybe would have helped um, prevent some of the drift that is moving. Um, yeah. Maybe not. Again, well, you know, I think it's a fun conversation. I, I'm looking forward to kind of really taking on uh, like a full-blown discussion the next time we talk about uh, head coverings. I think taking on uh, really the idea of, of hair lengths for men too. We got to deal with those things. Um, and I think, but I think the big thing that comes out of today's, at least as we start is there is such a thing as a gender distinction and we've got it. We, and I think regardless of where you come down, whether cultural or not, he's speaking into this time and making it very clear that, that there are differences and that we should maintain those differences. Um, and so I, I think that's gonna, that's gonna be something that you and I should probably explore too. Okay, what's the application of that today? Because there are some who would say, well, maybe it's a cultural symbol, but we, there's still some, some application. There's some, some symbols that might be more relevant to today. So I wanna have kind of hammer all of that out. Um, but I think the big thing you look at that right there is, um, yeah, uh, we are, we are, we are needing to hold that line, uh, that, that there is a difference and, um, and that, you know, there, there is no, there, as Paul says in Galatians though, that there's, there's no, uh, Greek or Jew, no, there's no, uh, Greek or Jew. There's no male or female slave or free. Like we understand that we're not talking about our salvation, but we are talking about, um, in the church, how we are, yeah. what he wants from us. I think that's something Paul has written many times on. And uh, we probably need to talk more about that. Right. And, and again, just because you bring that passage up, that, that passage is in relationship to who's going to inherit the Abrahamic blessings, who, who are the sons of God, daughters of God. It's those in Christ Jesus. So that passage oftentimes is used to subvert all other gender passages in the Bible. Yeah. When the same guy that said that also said this and said this afterwards, probably in my understanding. Uh, so he's not saying, hey, there's no genders anymore and there's no roles anymore. No, yeah. no he's saying that if you're baptized into Christ, you have all these things um, because you have the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that's the key. 
But knowing that now, church, let's look at some of the ways that this has to work out because we have not had the consummation yet. Yet we haven't got to the point where Jesus says in heaven, there's no male nor female, you know, that, that the angels, um, that will be like the angels. Well, you bring that up. That's something I want. I want to really knock out too in this next time we get together, right? Because what does he say? Uh, he says, um, where does he make that? Where does he reference? Um, the angels in this passage too for the hair um oh, the, you stopped right before it um oh man. yeah yeah what? yeah that if uh uh what does he say i man i just uh, eleven ten. Uh, for this cause ought the woman to have a sign of authority on her head because of the angels yeah what is that all about you know? i have ideas on that but i want to hear them when we get when we do it next time unless i mean it's just, that one is just kind of a fun one. I, I, I don't know if I can wait a week. Yeah. You want to hear, you want to hear, there's two views. I'll just tell out. me, tell me, cause I know you've thought about this one. What are so, they? I was sitting there on Friday. I was like, what the heck? What is this? So listening to random Satanists on YouTube, which I do from time to time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, former recovering Satanist. Uh, one guy argued that this passage is reference to women being attractive to angels, such as uh, the Nephilim incident. In Genesis. That'd be like a yeah, Genesis six. Yeah. So this is a way of her saying I'm protected by my husband or father. I don't think that's as, uh, as good of an argument. The, the one that I've read on that I like uh, is when this is put in the context of worship, what do the angels do in the presence of God? Uh, they cover their faces with their, with their wings. And so it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of the authority that God has and the authority structure that he has set up. And so since Christians their worship is viewed as entering into essentially a heavenly worship. Like John is invited through the door in revelation four into heavenly worship. So when we are worshiping together, there's angels present. And just as the angels will cover their faces in the presence of God, a woman is honoring that authority in the same way by covering her head. And even the angels will be pleased. Um, that's, that's you put, yeah, that's a fascinating argument. I think to think about um, because I think that one makes a lot more sense biblically too, in the terms of covering, um, yeah. now, you know, talk about the angels. I mean, that you, that, that's, you could find that argument biblically too, if you, but you gotta make some leaps to go from Genesis six or Jude to this. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not in the context of worship where angels covering their faces in the presence. Uh, I, I think that is really the best solution there. And that, um, women shouldn't be ashamed to do this. Even the angels will cover their face in the presence of God. And so um, you, you are being put in an angelic class uh, by covering your heads and being submissive as the angels themselves are submissive, as so, your husband is submissive. Uh, you know that, um, and, and this bothers us because in America, especially, we don't like authority. We, 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 <laughs> we, we want everyone to be an independent, equal class and you know, it's just hard work and that's all there is. But the Bible is very much in favor of God's dominion and his authority and him working through authorities. And so uh, I think that's also why we don't like this passage. Um, this brings up just one other little question, because I know that we're, you know, on our time here, we don't have forever on these. Um, but this brings up the other question, which is this, is, is there a difference of what happens in the worship service than my regular worship to the Lord uh, as I live and live my life for him, right? Uh, I even had a conversation with just a church member, just um, just probably about an hour before coming here. Is you know what that the 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 idea about like what is happening in our sanctuary 
does that should there be a difference in how we act in the worship service together that would be different than uh you know if we were just hanging out um you know whether a small group bible study or something like that too um it this if that's the case too then it does seem to be that this is making that there's some seriousness that there's something different when the body gathers than just simply we all show up and have a great time and kick back and then we all leave and go to the buffet after church you know yeah and, and and again some of that is is cultural as well but but i do think i mean you can argue one of the statements lex randy lex credendi what what is prayed is what is believed how we worship is how we uh believe and and so that would um bring us to a point where what I do in worship, and since I see all of life in some senses, worship would would extend uh, in some way beyond, but that Paul's not necessarily addressing uh, everyday life, but um, this should in, in, you know, I think, let's go back to Ephesians uh, 5 and uh, submit one to another, right, as in the Lord, but then wives, you, we do this by wives submitting to their husbands, by husbands um, loving their wives, and by children obeying their parents. And, and so the way that submission works in everyday life is, and again, authority structure that, that, that permeates how we, we do life. And so I, I think that this does extend just beyond, but maybe the specific practice here is uh, highlighting something in worship, just like the Lord's Supper. Again, it's put in the context of worship. It's not everyone go to your house and have, you know, some bread and um, grape juice or something. It's yeah. Uh, so there's something special about the gathering, I think. Yeah, yeah that we need to remind ourselves to that it, this is different. So, well, Hey man, I, um, that's all I've got time for today. And, uh, but I think the, uh, the path that we're going to go down, if you want to continue to listen, if you'd like to know where do we fall on, uh, head coverings and, um, length of hair, um, in the church come, Make sure you listen next time because it'll be fun. We'll have a little bit, some interesting discussions, maybe hear things you've heard before, maybe hear some stuff you haven't heard as we take that on together. Yeah, and if you're listening and you've got questions on this topic or another topic, please put it in the comments because sometimes we're not sure where to go next. And if you've got questions, we'd like to address them if you like this format. And then uh, please take a little time to maybe share this. Uh, not click the notify button, the subscribe button, and you know help us... Uh, Give us some encouragement to keep going because there are days where we're busy and, uh, you know, it's always a shot in the arm. I feel like when people are um, saying, Hey, this is good stuff. A thumbs up <laughs> goes a long way. People. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, uh, let's close out the way we close out and uh, we'll be done. So uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. God bless you guys. Thank you for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.